0: This is Glasgow Crime Stories. We dive into crime of the city's past in short episodes you can listen to anytime, anywhere. In this episode, meet the detective who was behind the investigation into one of Scotland's most notorious uncaught killers, Bible John. The late Joe Beatty was a police officer who was almost as well known as the crimes he investigated. It's not often that a police officer becomes as famous as the crimes that he's tasked with solving. However, in the 1960s, Detective Superintendent Joe Beatty was that man. He was often the public face of many major high-profile inquiries, appealing for the public's help in solving crimes. Beattie led the hunt for Bible John, the man suspected of murdering three young mothers, Patricia Docker, Jemima MacDonald and Helen Puttick, In the late 1960s, in his day, Beattie was a real-life Jim Taggart, the fictional 1980s Glasgow TV detective made famous in the Scottish television series of the same name. Regretfully, Beattie retired without catching the killer of the three mothers, crimes which remain unsolved to this day. A larger-than-life character, Beattie was part of a golden generation of officers who joined the police after serving with distinction in the Second World War. As a fighter pilot and bomber command, he had taken part in many a daring Allied raid over German territory before being demobbed and joining the then City of Glasgow force in 1946. It was also said that Beattie was a promising footballer whose career was cut short by the war. In his 1988 book, The Defender, the legendary defence lawyer Joe Beltrami told of how he tried to question Beattie in the witness box about his eyesight and identification skills, a tactic which fell flat when the jury were told of his exploits bombing German military installations at night. As a young rookie cop, Beattie quickly showed an aptitude for solving crime, joining the CID three years later and, by 1960, reaching the rank of detective sergeant. One of his first cases as a young detective constable was the murder of a four-year-old girl, Betty Alexander, in Garnet Hill, Glasgow, in 1952, which is still unsolved to this day. Over the years as a police officer, Beattie would show an uncanny knack for being in the right place at the right time. He once encountered a barefoot man being chased by a police officer. Beattie caught and arrested him, only to discover that the man's wife was about to give birth and both he and the chasing officer were looking for help. With no midwife about, Beattie and his colleague delivered the baby themselves. He was also said to be the master of the good cop, bad cop routine, happy to play the former after a particularly tough interrogation of a suspect by a colleague. Beattie would then offer the suspect a cigarette and a friendly word or two before obtaining the necessary information or confession. His time in the RAF meant he had developed keen powers of observation, which he put to good use in fighting crime, rather than the Germans. Beattie was said to have solved one murder after spotting that some of the knives in the kitchen drawer of the prime suspect were too clean and shiny. Clearly, they had just been washed to eliminate any evidence. In another case, the only clue was a swan Vesta match found near the elderly victim's body. With his local knowledge, Beattie knew that men in the area seldom, if ever, used that brand. On door to door inquiries, he questioned one possible suspect and asked him to empty his pockets, revealing a box of swan vestas. In one double murder inquiry, he was able to use his powers of observation and sixth sense about a suspect to solve the crime. A man and his 17 year old daughter had been murdered in their home in Kinning Park. Both had been stabbed more than 30 times and a kitchen knife had been left at the murder scene with any incriminating prints removed. It was while studying the hall linoleum that Joe noticed what seemed like a single toe print. It appeared that the killer had also removed his shoes and socks so as not to leave a footprint on the blood-stained floor, but he had accidentally left a print of his bare toe. During door-to-door inquiries, Joe spoke to a 16-year-old neighbour who he suspected of being the killer. Not only did his toe print match the one found in the hall, but he also later confessed to the murder. By the 1960s, Beattie had risen through the ranks to detective superintendent when he took on the case that would define his career. His job was to lead the investigation into the three unsolved murders of Patricia Docker, Jemima MacDonald and Helen Puttick, all young mothers. If you're a regular listener to the Glasgow Crime Stories podcast's you may recognise those names. All three deaths were linked into one inquiry based at Partick Police Office due to the similarities with all the women meeting their killer at the Barrowland Ballroom, a killer who would later become known as Bible John. Patricia Docker's body was found first on Friday morning, February 22, 1968, in Carmichael Lane, after she headed to the Barrowland the previous night. Eighteen months later, a second woman's body was found at a tenement close in McKeith Street, Bridgeton, in the east end of Glasgow. This turned out to be single mother-of-three Jemima MacDonald, then 32, who lived nearby. She was last seen alive at the Barrowland Ballroom, where she had spent the night dancing. Her murder, on the night of August the 16th, 1969, had occurred approximately 30 hours before her body was discovered. However... The second investigation soon ran out of leads and detectives were moved on to other inquiries. On October the 31st, 1969, came the discovery of a third young woman, Helen Puttock, 29, in the back gardens of a tenement home in Earl Street, Scotston, by a man out walking his dog. She had also been at the Barrowland Ballroom that night and left with a mystery man. However, Helen's sister, Jean Langford, often referred to as Jeannie, had shared a taxi home with her sibling and her new admirer, becoming the first eyewitness to a possible suspect. Langford told detectives that her sister's companion, who claimed to be named John, had said that he didn't drink and repeatedly quoted from the Old Testament during the time they conversed with him in the taxi. During the taxi ride, the suspect had explained to the women that the reason he refrained from consuming alcohol was due to his strict upbringing, before adding... I don't drink at Hugman A. I pray. Jean was dropped off at her own home in the West End before the taxi continued on to Scotston with Helen and the well-spoken stranger. It was the last time Jean saw her sister alive. More than a hundred detectives were assigned to work full-time in the case and thousands of witness statements were taken. It was Joe Beatty who revealed details about the biblical references, adding... I am positive this man comes from Glasgow or nearby. I do not think he's a religious man, but just has a normal, intelligent, working knowledge of the Bible that he likes to air. Jean later worked with Lennox Patterson, deputy director of the Glasgow School of Art, to create the famous artist's impression of the suspect, who had already been dubbed "Bible John" by journalists. Due to the suspect's hair being unfashionably short for the time. More than 450 barbers in the Glasgow area were shown the new drawing of the suspect to see if they recognised him as a customer. Dentists were asked to examine their records to see if they had a male patient with overlapping teeth. Teams of young detectives, male and female, were instructed by Beatty to mingle with dancers at the Barrowland over many weeks to see if they could pick up any clues as to the killer or killer's identities. One theory was that the well-dressed, well-spoken suspect might be a military man. As a result, Beattie circulated copies of the Bible John drawing to British Army, RAF and naval bases at home and abroad. The creation of an artist's impression and foot-fit of the suspect were innovative at the time. Beattie tried every trick in the book and even used the services of a Dutch clairvoyant, but with no success. In 1970... A psychiatrist, Dr. Robert Britton, was hired to produce a criminal profile of the suspect, predating similar efforts by the FBI in the USA by many years. Former police chief Joe Jackson worked in the Patricia Docker case and was later called into the Bible John investigation. Mr. Jackson, who retired in 1992 at the rank of detective superintendent, travelled with Joe Beattie to several military bases in Scotland and England to interview possible suspects. Helen Puttock's sister also accompanied them on a trip to Catterick in North Yorkshire. In his memoir, Chasing Killers, Joe Jackson recalled his time serving alongside Joe Beattie in the Bible John case. Joe said, Beattie worked around the clock and was totally obsessed. Around January 1970, it was decided to bring in fresh detectives. I was one and would spend a year on the hunt. Sometimes, an officer would produce a more reasonable suspect, but would be dismissed with a shake of Beattie's head. Mr Jackson feels that too much reliance was placed by Joe Beattie on the eyewitness account of Jean Langford. He added, Beattie was totally dedicated, but I felt he was too narrowly focused. I made sure in later years when running major inquiries that I listened to the views of all the detectives and incident room staff to make sure I covered not just one, but all angles. Mr. Jackson also thinks that the investigation should have relied more on the evidence of two bouncers at the Barrowland. They had seen the suspect with Helen Puttock and described a much shorter man. They had also been present when he had complained loudly about losing money in a cigarette machine. Mr. Jackson added, It's my belief too much information was issued in this case, including the nugget that the suspect quoted the Bible. Reporters were even told about the dance hall squads. By alerting the press, we also alerted the killer. There was no hope of him turning up at the halls. I would never discount the efforts of Joe Beatty. I believe these murders should have been separated and dealt with by different senior officers who could then have compared results. Like all such unsolved cases, the inquiry was wound down and officers transferred to other duties. Joe Beattie would then take on another demanding role that would challenge his skills of detection, but in a tragically different way. He was ordered to investigate the deaths of 66 fans at Ibrox Stadium on January the 2nd, 1971, which happened at the end of the traditional New Year match between Rangers and Celtic. Beattie attended the game himself and had headed home afterwards, unaware of the terrible events that had just taken place, He got a phone call from the then Chief Constable, Sir James Robertson, who said, There's been a terrible accident and I want you to take charge. Beattie set up an investigation team at Govan Police Office where more than a thousand statements were taken from fans and other eyewitnesses, including police officers and ambulance men. Such was the swiftness and efficiency of his investigation that a fatal accident inquiry was held into the deaths the following month at Pollockshaws Borough Hall in Glasgow. The patient gathering of evidence was crucial to getting at the truth of the tragic events of that day, which still resonate with football fans across Scotland more than 50 years later. During this investigation, Beattie was called to Glasgow Sheriff Court where a meeting of creditors was taking place involving a Cypriot restaurant owner called Nicholas Perdicco. He had been told that Perdicu was armed and might be planning to shoot the sheriff who was hearing his case. Beattie headed for the court where he spotted the suspect climbing a staircase and promptly arrested him. When he opened the suspect's coat, he found a shotgun and a cartridge belt. Perdico was later jailed for nine months and also lost his gun licence, thanks to Beattie's efforts. After the successful Eyebrooks disaster investigation, Beattie was moved to the Scottish Police Training College at Tully Allen Castle in Fife, where he was made Deputy Commandant before retiring in 1976 while well, in his mid-fifties. His failure to solve any of the three Bible John murders weighed heavily in Betty's mind, right up to his death in 2000 at the age of 82. He famously once said, I know more about this man than I do some members of my own family. If he walked into the most crowded of rooms, I would pick him out right away. In 1996, the Bible John investigation was reopened and the body of a suspect, John McInnes, who had taken his own life in 1980, was exhumed in Stonehouse, Lanarkshire. However, McInnes was later cleared of any involvement after investigators failed to match his DNA with a DNA sample found in the victim. In an interview at that time, Beattie said of Bible John, Sometimes you get the ones you shouldn't get, and you don't get the ones you should. This was one we should have got. We knew so much about him. Joe Beattie became known to a new generation last year when a critically acclaimed BBC two-part documentary about the case featured original television interviews with a detective. In his autobiography, The Pleader, criminal defence lawyer Len Murray, who spoke at Beattie's funeral, paid a glowing tribute to his old friend. He said Beattie had been ahead of his time as a detective and an early advocate of using computers at a time when most investigations involved hard slog and boots on the ground. Murray said, He was one of the best and most talented detectives that I ever knew. If there were 25 hours in a day, Joe would have worked them. Joe Beatty was truly a legend in his time. He undoubtedly had one of the sharpest intellects of any police officer that I've ever known, and certainly he had great vision. I also never heard a client say a bad word about it. This podcast was brought to you by the Glasgow Times. With a digital subscription, you can access our exclusive, insightful and trustworthy local news from just £2 for two months. We are also currently offering 20% off our annual rate with the code GLASGOPOD22. This offers for new subscribers only and is only available with the promotional code given in this podcast. Subscriptions will renew at the standard rates unless cancelled.